What is going on, Sharp Football family? It is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar. And we are here. We flipped the calendar over to a new month, November, already. We're going to be closing in on those holiday seasons. And so far, since I've been doing this podcast, I've used the early season platform to kind of highlight some of the work uh, and up-and-comers that I've been following, hopefully to get them to a different audience. But since I'm doing this podcast this year, I also wanted to you know, use this as a trump card to just have a conversation with someone I haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, and it's one of my favorite people to talk football with, and that is Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. Sig, what is going on in the first week of November? What's going on is we're just continually, it's the fire hose. Uh, the NFL season overwhelms us with things to process and project and predict and then flip it over and do it all over again before we've even caught our breath. And it's always a fun journey. It's always fun to pick each other's brains and otherwise just be stimulated by how this season washes over everybody and what they can make out of it while the, we're swirling around and, and underwater trying to catch our breath get up to the surface uh and i you know I, I just i continue to be in awe rich of what's happened since like the first time you were on the couch right run for johnny's get this guy reeves yeah he's got the goods and here we are Oh, I appreciate that. I was just talking with Mike Leon in a podcast just about the path and me running into the right people. And I talk, I brought you up and how you got me, my voice out to Evan. And then that kind of snowballed from there. Rumford got me to you. And then, hey, right. here we are. Uh, but, you know, our, love. you've tried to get me on the couch again the last couple of years. And I haven't been, our just schedules haven't lined up. So uh, I'm glad that this is, we'll kind of inverse it. And I've never got to right. host you on a show. So I'll get to put you on my couch, so to speak. Uh, today and I couldn't think of any person to be on the show for this week in particular you know we thought Tuesday maybe the trade deadline will give us some news right uh, maybe maybe the trade deadline will be the, the spike some interest this week and it turns out it was everything but the trade deadline right <laughs> so we're, we'll kind of dive into the weeds and we'll just kind of you know I'll pick your brain on some of the things in motion this week and I don't think that uh, you know we started the week immediately with the Derrick Henry news, you know, mm-hmm. we, we saw him have the foot injury on Sunday. He stayed in the game, kept playing, the, kept playing, uh, grinded out. We could wake up Monday morning. We find out, you know, he's basically got a Jones fracture. He's going to miss probably the rest of the regular fantasy season. Uh, but this is uh, a player that is the most unique of his kind in the NFL. Uh, he, the offense is basically run through this, this power back, which is not mm-hmm. like we see really any offense in the NFL. This is the only player in the NFL right now that's had over 50% of his team's touches on the season. Uh, so when we remove Derrick Henry from the picture, there's a trickle down, not just for what running back do we pick up off the waivers to play for him, but what does this offense look like? What does it do for Ryan Tannehill? What does Todd Downing do to, you know, acquiesce of, you know, they play the Rams on Sunday night. There's a lot of things to kind of dissect here. So I'll I'll just pass the baton to you and we can just rift on the, the, the the, the cultural change that's now going to go on in the Tennessee offense. Yeah. Sunday night, Sunday night. It's great. We get some great highlight games this week for stories that are happening in the NFL right now. And certainly uh, Tennessee story right now, but isn't this just another thing for them to overcome rich really mm-hmm. this in the story of the Mike Vrabel Titans, they're always struggling against something, something that may be uh, in-house, something that's an obstacle and their identity is not going to change. And they just said as much, but Todd Downing said as much and enter stage, right? Adrian Peterson. Like I said, I, I love what the writers of the NFL season are doing this year. I love it. 
because there's not a running back closer to Derrick Henry in terms of, you know, Marshawn Lynch would be the one that comes to mind. Just the mentality of not tiring, of actually feeding off of the energy of getting to run at 11 guys that want to tear your head off, play after play after play, and dishing out punishment. And he's in great shape. The dude lives for football. He's in great shape. And maybe he doesn't have the house speed anymore, but he still knows how to run the football as well as any person on this planet, Rich. You know, like I'm talking about execution of the running game in the NFL. And the Titans have something in place that I think he can step right into. And they say they're going to let it sort out like merit, basically. Deontay Foreman's there, too. And Foreman did a decent impression of Derrick Henry at times. Also, you wonder if he could hold up. He doesn't have that history. And then there's Jeremy McNichols, who's that trusted passing down back, who could have something more. And this is his moment also. Uh, But Peterson's the one for fantasy that I want to put my chip on. I think it's the story that if everything aligns, could produce the most fantasy fruit for us. Um, and I think this, the overall on the Titans, it's their resilience has shown through, through many, many things. And I don't expect this is going to be something. Yeah. I mean, and another thing is if you do think this is going to fatally destroy the Titans for this year, like, well, I guess who, then it's the Colts who we get to watch tonight actually against the jets, you know, so I mean, this is the NFL. The AFC has just been absolutely brutal, Rich. I mean, it's like a battle royal, except that you have to get back in the ring with like your injured limb and keep fighting, you know? And it just can, and we're not even halfway through the season yet. So, uh, what a plate tectonic, like sea change move, but something I think you should react to in some way. Yeah, the Titans are one of these teams that, you know, you, you always think like they just, they, they either get by an efficiency or they do this thing where they give Derrick Henry touches and he just ends up housing a 70 yarder. I don't know if that's in the range of outcomes for this version, Adrian Peterson, but you know, you look at this landscape and outside of Sunday night, cause I do think Sunday night, just the way the timing sets up at in Los Angeles versus a Rams team that when you look at the defenses that they've just absolutely just cakewalk through the past month, you know, uh, the Texans, the lions, the giants week before that, this Titans defense is not going to put up a much more formidable front against this offense uh, that Sean McVay's roll out. And we're seeing Sean McVay get a little more aggressive too. He's starting to go for yeah. two fourth downs. Uh, but oh, yeah. so, so this Sunday, I do think it sets up probably be more of like a, a, a McNichols passing type script. But when you look at the, coming out of this Sunday night and you look at the offense, the Titans are going to play the rest of the season. There are no offenses that are really going to force them to get into these pinball machine games. I mean, they come out and they get the saints, the Texans, the Patriots, the Jaguars, the Steelers, the 49ers and the dolphins through the rest of the fantasy Mm. season. Even the best of those offenses are like mid 20 point offenses. Like, so that is going to set up for Todd Donnie to not really have to rip this thing apart and try to, you know, on the fly say, oh, we lost this, you know, bell cow juggernaut bulldozer. Uh, We've got to just kind of, you know, make do and shift to like a spread offense. You know, we've got Arthur Juan and we're going to Julio back. It's not going to happen. We would have liked this. They don't just don't have the, they don't have the depth, the personnel to even do that anyways. I don't think they have the offensive line pieces to do it as well. So I do agree with you. I think that more the, 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 the goal linebacks, the guy we still want that early down grinder in the offense, because that, that schedule really sets up for teams not to run away from them and really not script Adrian Peterson out of the game. A lot of the games, I mean, that could happen. You have turnovers and things happen in game where it flips, but none of those offenses scare me in terms of being able to like 
really, really boat race the Titans and, and pull, pull out of the gates way ahead to put a guy like Adrian Peterson on the shelf. Uh, so, I mean, stay with the Rams for a second. Yeah. I want to get your opinion. And I'm sure you've probably talked about this because we're halfway through the season. And this historical season that Cooper Cup is absolutely oh. together. Uh, you know, uh, the, the way that they're utilizing him right now just seems like he can't be stopped. Like, so rest of the season right now, I mean, would he be the number one fantasy player overall in your, in your, in your mind? Yeah, it has to be right. I mean, especially if you're talking about from the rest of the season on, you know, we're not, not talking about 2022 rankings or something Yeah, like just that. now. <laughs> and I think the, the foundation here, the fertile soil is Matthew Stafford. I think it was our mutual friend, Josh Norris that said that we didn't overreact to Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay in August. You know, the idea of, we're trying to gauge the range of possibilities for these deltas, Rich, in the, in the offseason in August. We're thinking, here's the range of possibilities, because this is going to be different than it was last year. And what would a Sean McVay offense look like if he could have a quarterback that is more of his choosing? And we're seeing it. And it's uh, another mutual friend, Eric Stoner, and I talked about this on the couch this week. It's what a, kind of a classic dropback pass offense. Um, and that's perfect for Matthew Stafford, right? And he's just taking, he's picking them apart. He, he and Cooper Cup, Cup. I was arguing a few weeks ago, Rich, that they should give him the Steve Smith treatment. You remember the Steve Smith yeah. treatment in the playoffs? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Trish Triple cover him. Seriously, teams should just say you have to something it's else. Hard something. He's in the slot, <laughs> right? And then that, that, that two way go, and then just his natural ability to find that space and staff, he and Stafford have something beautiful. And I guess in hindsight, we should have realized that if Jared Goff would get locked in on Cooper cup, what that probably meant was that Cooper cup was creating a lot of high percentage, easy opportunities for Goff, Right. Cause I mean, Goff is just all about the low hanging fruit. Um, so what could, and then, and it's also Sean McVay was running the training wheels offense with cup. I mean, with Goff. So if you have Sean McVay now, being able to open things up and you also have Cooper cup with a better quarterback than the sky's the limit. And uh, it's, it's been fun to watch. I still, I, I do think that Van Jefferson maybe is being underestimated there now that he's, it's kind of like a three amigos thing there. And maybe we could see him come on, but either way, this Rams offense is a lot of fun. It's probably going to help. Like you're going to look at teams that win championships and fantasy leagues, rich and the Rams are probably going to be part of it in some way. I got this question today. Let me get your opinion on this. Yeah. Uh, rest of the season, Van Jefferson or Rashad Bateman? Jefferson, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Jefferson, I, I answer Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> Jefferson because the, first of all, the Rams' pass offense I think is just a more stable. Op- Look, here's a big topic. Here's a topic, right? I'll top this up. We'll flip back, right? I'm taking. I'm grabbing the wheel, Rich. Yeah, do it. Grab, I'm grabbing the wheel. You, you said trade deadline. <laughs> trade deadline. Nothing, right? NFL <laughs> trade deadline. Nothing. But let's recast this, right? Uh, there are trade deadline additions that we need to think about, like one Nick Boyle, for instance, right? So Nick Boyle's the key to the Ravens running game. And he's going to make, I'm not, I don't know if he's going to make Devontae Freeman or Tyson Williams worth something, but he is going to make the Ravens offense look more like what we remember in recent years, a, a really tough running game to handle. And also a running game that's an asset for the offense, right? Um, it's not going to all be on Lamar Jackson's arm uh, and Sammy Watkins coming back who knows how long that will last. So, you know, it's just Bateman. I think it's just a smaller pie that he's eating from 
where what Jefferson has. Another one I want to toss out there, a trade deadline addition, is um, George Kittle. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about George Kittle and stats. I'm talking about how much better he makes that whole offense. How I mean, in a lot of ways, everything in the 49ers offense keys off of George Kittle, right? So what does that mean for, well, I mean, let's go down the list in this offense. I, the 49ers are a team I think maybe can make a second half run right now. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if they're going to smoke Arizona this week. Yeah, I mean, they came close a couple weeks ago. They gave Kyler a real good game. Let's. I was going to head here with this dynamic from a couple angles anyway. So let's, since you naturally, like you said, you took the yeah. wheel and we're there now. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Kittle's return – Right now, we're outside of Cooper Cup, the other wide receiver that is absolutely just, you know, decimating fantasy football right now is Debo Samuel. And he's doing it in a way that I don't know if everyone really thought was in his range of outcomes was, you know, I was someone that was I like Debo Samuel a lot and I was in on him and I was drafting him over Brandon Ayuk. And then my whole reason was, though, that he was kind of the way they used him was foolproof no matter what they changed offensively. But they're not even using him like that. He's like a full-fledged alpha wide receiver right now. You look at him and what he's done on downfield targets this season. And even that game against the Bears, I mean, he's up there plucking balls, you know, 20, yeah. you know, you know, 20 yard dig routes. And, you know, uh, Ayuk is the, even with his extended run was basically like the tertiary, like kind of intermediate mm-hmm. guy. And um, he's making so many plays, but his target share has been so dynamic because of what's been going on with Ayuk and then Kittle being off the field. And we know inherently this isn't a team that's going to throw it 35, 40 times like the Rams will. So will we see some recoil from Debo or has it just been out? It's just the genie's out of the bottle here uh, right there's no coming back on it well that's the whole thing where i think that what you have is an offense that could finally come full circle to that occasional stretch of hyper efficiency we get in a kyle shanahan offense right and it would I mean jimmy garoppolo has to stay healthy although that makes trey lance more interesting but if you get all these elements on the field at the same time kittle Ayuk, who's now back in the good graces uh you we help debo <laughs> Well, I mean, at least in terms of his usage, he's back in the role, like in terms of routes run and Mm -hmm. targets and snaps that we were expecting. And now you have Kittle coming back and Elijah Mitchell, you know, he's got that rib injury, but obviously he's meshing well with his running game. You know, Dearness Johnson is a player I hope people took notice of. I hope people took notice of Dearness Johnson simply because what he represents is the value of a running back that understands the system he's running in and can execute in it. So, you know, we get caught up in like previous production and measurables and, and things like that. But this is, again, circles back to the Adrian Peterson thing. It's like sometimes a running back that just knows how to do his job in the system, because this is why running backs don't matter. Right, Rich? Yeah. Because any, <laughs> any guy can just get the value that's there. Right. That's why running backs don't matter. So we can apply that when we see a running back. Again, Elijah Mitchell, six round pick, I think not anything special measurables wise. He's got some straight line speed. But he's a lot he's, like Mostert in a way, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more, more of a more sprinter, of a, you give him a straight line ish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this this could be a really fun offense. So to answer your specific question, even if it results in a few less targets for Samuel every week, the values there on those targets, like you said, he turned, he turned deep ball guy. He's just got this tenacity, this competitiveness, toughness, competitive toughness about his game. That it's just all, uh, it's all blooming. It's all blossoming before our very eyes. He's becoming one of the best wide receivers in the game. So I, I, I think that this is one where you just want to stick with him. And in general, see that that wave coming could be the San Francisco offense. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, touch on Mitchell a little bit, just because mm-hmm. Mitchell's one of these guys. I, I mean, literally my Sunday chat is just filled with questions. I'm in, oh, since week two on, it's just right. been, you know, what are we doing with these guys? How much fab should I, did I waste my fab? Uh, you know, now is he going to be the guy now he's picked up his kind of second injury with this workload um, being kind of a, like, it's, like we said, almost like a, a most like, type, like build. He's not a right. guy. It's like 220. Uh, he's had, you know, 17, 18, 18 carries, you know, in his three full games played, but he's also now picked up two kind of injuries and, you know, everyone keeps talking about Jeff Wilson. Is Jeff there Wilson going to yeah. be the guy? And Jeff Wilson's one of these guys, I particularly not an electric player. Right. But right. also has done his job anytime the 49ers have asked him to do his job. Uh, so how do you think it plays out for Mitchell here in the next coming weeks with Mitch, uh, with Wilson coming back to practice? Do you think that he really carves out a role? Does he just slide into like mm-hmm. the hasty role? Uh, how do you see right. that playing out? Uh, and do you think it's a time to maybe, is it one of the last 11th hours to maybe use this springboard for Mitchell to, to make a play up for the postseason run for another running back that maybe has been not as hot, but right. could be hot coming down the stretch. Yeah, I, I wouldn't generally advise people to hold Mitchell or, if anything, acquire Mitchell. Um, let's start here because I, you know, let's go to hot take land, right? If you blew your free agent wallet on Mitchell after week one, you were right. You were right. I mean, he's still the starter in week nine, Rich. Mm-hmm. How, what more could you have asked for? Basically, the idea is. Elijah Mitchell is for you know at least the first nine weeks like the number one running back. If we knew that in fantasy drafts, he would have been probably in Mostert's out. I mean, we would have probably taken him ahead of where we took Mostert, right? Like we would have taken him in the fifth or sixth round, probably. So you're trading your free agent wallet for a fifth or sixth round pick. Oh, that's a good trade. There's probably only three or five at the most players on the waiver wire each year that matter, and Elijah Mitchell has already mattered and could continue to matter. Now, on the subject of Jeff Wilson. I like how you cast that you know, he's an ordinary running back, but again, execution in the system. And what that illustrates again, Rich, is look at his game logs when he's an uncontested back for right. touches. He's had not just big weeks, like week winning weeks, you know, like three touchdowns and over 150 total yards weeks. Like Jeff Wilson has been one of the most valuable running backs of fantasy football when he's in control of this backfield, which just illustrates the value of the backfield, right? We've got a big pie to divide up. So Elijah Mitchell's going to figure in that somehow because he's shown success and, and myself included. I mean, maybe I'm even projecting and it's more me than everybody else, but I think we generally overvalue the unknown of players returning from injury during the season. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like, how often <laughs> rich has there been a player that's returned from injury mid season that has really, I mean, I don't know. Someone should do a nice report on it, but I bet the percentages are low, right? Mm-hmm. Or we overestimate what they can do. So I, I think that it's not, with all of these players coming back from injury, we should have a I'll believe it when I see it attitude. And especially when it comes to filling in the variable of how it could change another player's value going forward. You know, we're, we're probably overestimating. You know, it's, Khalil Herbert becomes interesting when we think about it this way, right? Chuba Hubbard, where we're just penciling in uh, Alex Collins. Oh, these running backs have this percentage chance of returning and they will be this percentage of the running back they were when they return. Those numbers are usually higher in our minds than they end up being in reality. Yeah, 100%. I mean, injury optimism has been a hill that has claimed many fantasy souls uh, over over time, long before us and long after us, I'm sure, as well. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Optimism's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, you know, we just talk about how like Buffalo Bills fans, like it's okay to be 
like unflinchingly positive when you're the fan of a team, even though you're setting yourself up for emotional devastation. And I would say exercise. Yeah. Even as, as pragmatic as I am, as even as a player, the whole goal of fantasy football is to kind of latch onto these high range of outcomes, even if they might be fleeting, yeah. because that's what wins. It's, it's in the moment. That's what, that's what wins, whether it be a week, a month or, you know, a full season. Uh, that's, you know, that's all we're thinking about is how can we get those weeks on our team, on our teams, those, those big moments. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny is all off season, everyone just kept saying, you know, for, you know, the, in these best ball leagues and these building out rosters was get 49ers players to the end of the season run, get 49ers players. You know, they've got this just amazing playoff schedule. And even now that we're in the, the, the wheels are in motion and some of those matchups change throughout the course of every NFL season that we look at in August, the 49ers playoff schedule still looks really awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. It still looks really <laughs> Awesome. So, so we're talking about, yeah, you know, you know, getting under the, the rug of a lead running back on an offense we were trying to buy in long time ago. Uh, and when it comes, you know, trying to say, oh, well, I'm out now because, you know, Jeff Wilson's coming back. I just don't believe in this particular player can keep up this production. So, yeah, I've always I, I'm the same way. I mean, I want to have Mitchell as many leagues as possible. On the other side of things, the team that they're playing this week you know, Arizona, they finally get their first loss of the season. Uh, they had a, you know, had a chance to come back. Now we, on the last play of the game, we get, we got Kyler picking up Ugh. his ankle injury and, you know, Cliff has already come out and said, you know, Hey, he, he doesn't have to practice to start. And, you know, they don't have Straveler to lean on this year. They still have him, but you know, Colt McCoy would be the backup, but we've seen Kyler last year when he had the shoulder injury, you know, really kind of, it was like the, almost like a sports car. He was, it just wasn't the same af- yep. after that for us the season. And he already hasn't been running this season at all. Uh, not since the, his last five games, he only has seven fantasy rushing points. Uh, and it's kind of lowered his, oh. his floor a little bit. Because we've seen yeah. when he doesn't throw the three passing touchdowns, the, the floor comes way down uh, where he could have had 50, 60 rushing yards and still kind of floated by uh, from a floor perspective. So how do we think that, you know, one, you know, Kyler, if you have Kyler this weekend, even if they say he's going to play, are, are you willing to just say, no, nah, give him a week? Like you said, that injury optimism, you say, no, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and stream. Maybe a, a, I've got a, you know, a two uh, that I can, right. I can stream or somebody like that. Um, and this, and, and the same thing, spin that off into DeAndre Hopkins. Who we seen come, is he going to be just a guy that comes in and out of games now the rest of the season, or they need to sit him down. Yeah. Right. There's a picture that you're painting here. I'm pulling up my projections from this week. Um, I have Kyler Murray quarterback 15 right now mm-hmm. to give you an idea. So yeah, chances are, if you're asking me, should I play Kyler Murray or, and it's someone that you're credibly thinking about, you know, like, I mean, Oh, even um, Daniel, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr in that game. Yeah, I think so. You know, Carson Wentz tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Tannehill interesting yeah maybe i mean i'm just saying look it's hard to have optimism about kyler if he plays this weekend it's hard to have optimism about this offense i mean as it stands the 49ers have given them trouble in the past you know the 49ers are a team that is familiar with them and is not going to be intimidated at all or you know off balance uh facing kyler murray preparing for kyler murray especially a hobbled kyler murray so, and then you bring in the picture of Hopkins too. And again, I'm going to talk in terms of pies, right? Like the whole Arizona pie, offensive pie is going to shrink, right? I mean, like by a, a magnitude, like it could be like, you know, one, it could lose like one third of the value of the whole offense. And it's already an offense that spreads out the value to begin with when we look at it for fantasy football, right? Ugh. I mean, I don't like the sound of this. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just saying, I don't like the sound of this. I mean, maybe this week we'll see other AJ Green's on the COVID list. 
Hopkins, like you said, is he going to be a guy? So this is part of the problem with a player like Hopkins is, yeah, he's just not going to sit to heal. That's just not in the cards. Right. So to speak. Ha ha. Uh, so he's going to stay in this place where he can't really impact a game like he has, but at least he's out there. And uh, like you said, Kyler is now banged up and wasn't running to begin with. And of course there's vulnerabilities on this defense. Oh boy. Did you notice how easy it was for Green Bay to run the ball on Arizona on Thursday night? Yeah, that's been I the mean, case all season. It's just that the right. Cardinals have gotten ahead of teams. Exactly. <laughs> and look at this, what this creates for fantasy football. Uh-oh. Now you have lower time possession, fewer possessions for this Arizona offense that is shrinking as we speak. So, you know, again, the, the background of these discussions, Rich, is it's like you never step, step in the same river twice, right? Like the fantasy forces that are affecting what's going on right now aren't going to be the ones a month from now right but, but we can look at things and we can see the direction that it's headed and san francisco up arizona down of course now watch like arizona going and pulled off the upset <laughs> yeah i mean this is if you look at the landscape too it's you know because this would be a week we'd say oh a, you know aj green is out and deandre hopkins is hobbled out like you know christian kirk rondell moore zach Ertz, up 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 but then you've got this kyler cloud hanging over everything uh, you know, just to, to pull those guys off your bench and really feel like you can appreciate that them having mm-hmm. an upside game, uh, which is kind of, you know, a, a downer there as well. Uh, one team that we talked about, you know, getting, you know, possessions reduced, kind of did it to themselves for the first time last week, and it was the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. We've seen them come out with the mindset almost, and it's the first time I've seen the Chiefs really do this the last couple of years where they were actually trying to just limit possessions in a game. Like I've never really even thought this was in their range of outcomes, but one to hide the defense two to, to mitigate some of the mistakes they've been making. Uh, And we seen them come out and have basically an eight minute drive was the most time possession Mm -hmm. they had in a game this season. Uh, And it almost still didn't work, (laughs) you know, at the end of that game. Uh, And, you know, we were robbed of this, this Rogers matchup, Rogers versus Mahone match the second time because Matt Moore started the first time these two guys were supposed to face off a couple years ago. Uh, And I believe that was a Sunday night game or Thursday night game. I can't remember. That was the game that Aaron Jones caught uh, that ridiculous pass. Maybe it was Jamal Williams or Rogers. It was like, had the next gen, like, probability or whatever that right. was like basically negative and he completed this touch with, I believe it was Jamal Williams but mm-hmm. um you know I digress but now we we have Jordan Love involved in this game we've got the Chiefs who are trying to kind of just find their just re- replace their footing so to speak right, like right. that's you know it's, it's it's not like a a sky is falling mentality but they're just really trying to to counter punch for the first time, right? Like they've mm-hmm, just been mm-hmm. staggered. They, they got the standing eight count, you know, it's, you know, what do we do now? How do we stay in the fight? And they're trying to figure that out. And their division is kind of letting them now that the chargers have uh, come back and, and the Raiders are just faced with turmoil after turmoil things, things to overcome. Maybe they will be like the Titans. Like we talked about, maybe the Raiders will be that team that yeah. just constantly overcomes all of these obstacles. All right. Season. But uh, t- take this game in general, because then I want to get to the yeah. tight ends too. But take this game in general, whether you want to talk about Jordan Love, or you want to talk about the Chiefs direction, right, right, right. Uh, all these things uh, that are moving. There's in a lot there. <laughs> it, there. There is a lot there for sure. Again, this has been a stimulating season. It's been a chaotic season. But I think maybe because it's been a chaotic st- season, it's been stimulating. Um, wow. So Eric, again, I'm going to reference Eric Stone uh, in the conversation we had this week. And I, I love that you brought up boxing. I love boxing. My stepdad uh, was a professional boxer and boxing in the 80s. Oh, uh, Anyway, oh, yeah. 
I used a boxing metaphor. We talked about this. Eric did a fantastic job. People need to know, by the way, if they don't know who Eric Stoner is, someone's replied uh, when I put it out there that we did the episode and, and a link to it, that, you know, he's one of the people who was like foundational in the, the, the culture of football Twitter. You know what I mean? The actual, not Absolutely. just forget about fantasy football or anything like that. Just football. Just, the, just football, the way that we have, we relate to each other about football. Eric Stoner's the man. So he described basically uh, something that I used a boxing metaphor to describe. Um, which look, the Kansas City defense is a fatal flaw in the team this year, right? It's and I compare it to a boxer with like a broken rib, right? Like they have to protect that. And the way you protect your defense is by putting together long drives and not leaving them out there, right? They don't want to expose their defense, which elegantly intersects with the way teams want to play Patrick Mahomes anyway, right? Is play yep. two high safeties, no induce blitz. the run. No blitzing, exactly, right? So it's mm-hmm. like this dance. It's a beautiful dance where they're both listening to the same music, right? Because defenses want to induce them to just take. Well, they want Patrick Mahomes to take what the defense gives them. Like he's get, they're giving them something to induce that, and they, I think, understand that they need to, like you said, Rich. I mean, they're trying to reestablish themselves, their footing after their previous footing proved to be totally unreliable. And this is it. And it, you look at the Chiefs and the Patriots right now and the AFC, and they're the spoilers. They're the spoilers. But, Rich, there's six or seven teams in the AFC that could absolutely get hot and win three straight games and go to the Super Bowl. Yep. And those are two of them. Like, I know, I mean, of course we can't rule the Chiefs out, but a different path. Now, the question is, does Andy Reid really embrace this? Or does Andy Reid... Uh, try to swim upstream against the way that this team is right now realizing they can win games. Now on the green Bay side, let's go to the other side. Again, it's, it's kind of perfect for green Bay because it's almost like Matt LaFleur. It's like, I can run the offense. I wanted to run all right. Right. Because Jordan love, which in Jordan loves, he's kind of an odd pick to be this guy because he's so trait based and not someone that you would pick just because he's going to execute things crisp perfectly from the playbook. But he can do that for sure. And you're going to run. You're going to absolutely, you're going to run and you're going to keep Kansas City's defense on the field. And AJ Dillon, who is just like body blows again with the boxing metaphors. And of course, uh, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams will be back out there. And hopefully, you're setting up Jordan Love with high percentage play action passes, right? Like you just don't want Jordan Love to have to think very much when this offense is set up for that. Perfect. So another intersection, another alignment there. It's going to be a really fascinating game to watch. Uh, there's so many games this week, Rich, where I just feel like there are teams at crossroads. Here we are, haha, the crossroads of the season, but we are like mid-season. And, and they could be a springboard game or, or a stumbling block that is really hard to get over. I look like Cleveland-Cincinnati is another game like that. Um, you know, just these teams trying to figure out where this season is going for them. And uh, the Green Bay, Kansas City, when you add in the Aaron Rodgers twist, and we could get gossipy and go TMZ and talk about all the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> stuff too, right? Which, yeah. Or just the whole, it's so wild because there's like Aaron Rodgers, the athlete and the quarterback, that life playing out in front of us. But then there's Aaron Rodgers, the public figure, which is a whole different story and has a whole different feeling 
than Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. And both are equally public and playing out for us. And this is the NFL in 2021, right? Like Odell Beckham's dad posts something on social media <laughs> and the other players like what he posted. Yeah, LeBron like, is tweeting about NFL players. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's just fascinating because it's like an, another layer where this stuff is actually affecting what ends up happening. And, uh, you know, here we are. So it, it, we're, we're getting old, but the world is no less fascinating. Yeah, I thought it was curious how much the line spiked. Uh, and we see this happen anyways. It's Aaron Rod. You're removing Aaron Rodgers from the equation. But from, right. a, betting, from a betting line perspective, uh, you know, one, we saw the element of the Chiefs defense still being involved. Also, we've seen historically quarterbacks, you know, making their first career starts. The, the lines tend to overreact in the first place. Uh, we uh-huh. saw it with Mike White, you know, last week. You know, the, these these uh, there's an opportunity for these guys to be one. This is their mom's spaghetti moment. You know, this is the, right. their, their chance. And this is Jordan Love's first real chance to say, think about Jordan Love the past years of his life, what uh-huh. he's heard. And all he's put up with is like how much of a mistake it was for them to draft him. Also, Matt LaFleur, how much of a mistake it was to draft him. Now, Matt LaFleur, also, you hit on something that I was going to get into, too, is that this is going to be the first time Matt LaFleur is going to get to kind of flex his muscles for the yeah. first time. We, we talked about McVeigh doing it for years, right? Well, this is Matt LaFleur's, like, first chance as, as a play caller and a head coach because you have Aaron Rodgers. There's things that right. you're going to acquiesce and lean into that Aaron Rodgers does, and he's going to pull you out of some things that you make mistakes on. Uh, right, right. And, you know, he's got the joystick, Rich. He's, yeah. he's got the joystick now. 100%. We're seeing that with the Steelers, with Matt Canada, too, which we could get into as well. Uh, that's still something you're living through. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, oh, you know, a death scene, <laughs> an extended and hopefully proud death scene. But, uh, you know, I I was not high on Jordan Love as a as a player coming out just because of the turnovers, the accuracy and turnover mm-hmm. problems. You know, that's my big bug with quarterback. You turn the ball over and you've got accuracy problems, I'm probably not going to be into you big picture. But for a one game, a one game setting against – to make, to make your first career start against this defense, to have Devontae Adams, to have Aaron Jones, to have A.J. Dillon, to have Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming back, they're, this is as healthy as they've been, minus Robert Tunyon all season mm-hmm. on offense. But David Bakhtiari's back. Eldon yeah. Jenkins missed a ton of time this season. This is as healthy as they've been, minus Big Bob, uh, you know, and now Rodgers. So at least Jordan Love has some weaponry to work with against this Chiefs defense is more of a unit that dad, Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones gets to play inside. He played more inside on um, Mm -hmm. Monday night anyways. So it's not like fully like they already experimented with that. So I, I mean, seven and a half, I feel like it jumped too high. Um, But while we're on the chiefs real fast, yeah, you know, everyone obviously has been doom and gloom. Uh, for really, I don't know the reason, but you have always been a proponent of, hey, Travis Kelsey may be the best fantasy player to get every year, right? Right. And this year you were in, in Kyle Pitts, and we've seen the upside these guys have, um, but we've also seen these tight ends that aren't traditionally full-time in-line players now. Teams start to defend them a little yes. differently. And the Chiefs last year, so when teams started playing a lot of two high safeties last year to prevent the big plays, that just inflated the guy like Kelsey to do his work in the middle of the field. And teams didn't really kind of counterpunch that. They were just okay, just not giving up Tyreek touchdowns. And you look at Ty, uh, Kelsey's game log to close that season, seven catches basically every week, seven, seven, eight, nine, nine. And then this year, teams said, well, we're, well if we're going to do that and the Chiefs are just going to bleed us out with this apex, you know, predator tight end, we've got to start throwing some real coverage at him. We've seen right. Like people are like mugging uh, Travis Kelsey. We've seen this with Kyle Pitts uh, as well. So uh, t- talk a little bit about just that, that yeah. dynamic in these guys. Uh, Cause we know we, those elite tight ends, they do provide such leverage. Darren Waller in the same boat. Uh, he had the monster week one, but has been just 
you know, kind of meandered through uh, the rest of the way until he picked up the ankle injury. So uh, talk about just these guys and what we're seeing, how the NFL kind of changed in that light, because the ever evolution of the game uh, that we finally are seeing like a counterpunch to like the air quotes, Jimmy Graham role. Yeah. And it's affecting <laughs> fantasy football too, right? I mean, all this stuff ripples through fantasy football. because It's just football. And we, and this is yet another thing that Eric and I talked about on the couch this week um, that with Kyle Pitts, it accelerated it. Like the chess game all happened like in the first half of the first year of his career. And the chess game is this, and it's reflected in the way we talk about the players, right? Like he's a tight end, but no, he's really a wide receiver. Uh, and now they're going to start defending him like a wide receiver, right? From the word go, they're going to. Uh, so it creates this dynamic where what Stefan Gilmore was on him last week. There yeah. you go. Right. Is it going to be Marshawn Lattimore this week? I, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, now that Calvin Ridley's been removed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And with Travis Kelsey, like you said, um, it's just more attention uh, because, and it also gets into positionless football um, and the idea that it doesn't matter what position we classify these players. And this is one of those things why in fantasy football, I was always a first round tight end or early tight end guy because it's a, you exploit that you get wide receiver usage and production at a position where most people aren't playing, they're playing someone who has no remote chance of that. Right. Uh, but now that could be receding if these guys are being given that kind of attention and, and rich, what it really highlights by the way that we have to say is like when players can get like the level Antonio Brown was at, or the level Cooper cup is at, like we were talking about. Yeah. Um, like teams are trying to take these guys away. You know, and it just shows that true greatness, like capital G greatness. Devontae Adams has been living this life for a couple of years. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it's, another, it's another place where you can just recognize the accomplishment of players because it isn't like the players that produce big numbers at wide receiver and, you know, or just, just because teams are letting them do it or giving them easier assignments. So then what happens is who becomes the undervalued assets at tight end, Rich? Like Dalton Schultz, right? Mm-hmm. Da- Dawson Knox, the guy who's not a threat enough that you're going to really prioritize him in an otherwise good offense. So the opportunities that are there are going to be high value opportunities. So like Austin Hooper had this going with Atlanta a few years back where it's like, if you're not that threatening, but you're competent, yep. <laughs> you're in the sweet spot at the tight end. <laughs> yeah. Right. In the, right. In motion. And it also shows that show how good these players are too. Like we've even seen it with Kyle Pitts, you know, because uh, you know, everyone said when he was going to in London, when Calvin really missed the first game, they're like, well, he's going to get all the attention. But if the defense doesn't have the personnel to defend that, and you know, what are you going to do? But we've right. seen, yeah, when you have a guy like Stefan Gilmore, may, who may not be the fastest guy, but we know he's a physical man corner and, you know, he can run with a tight end. Um, obviously, Marshall Lattimore, same way. He's not scared to, you know, kind of mix it up, be physical with the players. So that's going to be a, something to watch uh, this week when he lines up outside, because right now Kyle Pitts is. Uh, outside for about 32% of his snaps. And then he's in the slot for about 42% of his snaps. So we might even see like a little Chauncey Gardner Johnson with him and another yeah, guy that's not nice. scared to mix it up with anybody. <laughs> Uh, the new Cortland Finnegan. <laughs> yeah, he is very much that dead chirp man. This, uh, his own teammates fight him. His own teammates yeah, fought exactly. him. Exactly. So, like, he's that guy. Uh, you know, we're and we're also seeing now since the trade of Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard kind of be thrust into this role mm-hmm. as well. You know, uh, he basically is, you know, as we're trying to figure out what, you know, Jalen Hurts is as a perimeter passer. And we've seen Devontae Smith kind of flash, but also get caught up in that vortex of inefficiency that that is attached to Jalen Jalen Hurts. But Dallas Goddard, these two games since Zach Ertz has been traded, 
has basically been on the field for basically 90% of the snaps and route 90% of the time and has had really two games. Even the game last week where they only throw for hundred yards, he basically accrues 70, right. 70% of it. So he's in a spot too, to maybe garner some attention, but is, is the guy that we're looking to be like a top six tight end the rest of the season too. And really a guy that we can kind of glom on to, to kind of carry us out of those uh, tight end woes that exist again in fantasy football. If you Always those top guys. every year. And that's not to say like, you know, you, you need to run and uh, away from guys like Pitts and Kelsey either. Like we're not trying to say that because if you look at Kelsey's game log, it's still completely fine. A couple of oh, like, need some touchdowns, but, but you're starting to see how teams have approached it. When you start to think like from real football stance, how these things, you know, can alter and you run into a perfect storm like Kelsey had a year ago and the dynamics that went to that. And then, the it's a pendulum. Yeah, the it's, a, it's, it's a pendulum, Rich. I mean, the whole thing is the NFL ha- it almost has a, a inhale and exhale. It's a, it's, it's a copycat league, right? I mean, but what happens is I'm always I, I always reference the um, Chuck Klosterman piece that was uh, I forget which short stories he was in when he talks talks about like someone asking like why is he so obsessed with football, and the idea is football is open ended. You know, like in baseball, we've seen shifts in the way they're handling starting pitching and stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of interesting, I suppose. Um, you know, maybe like defensive strategies change in basketball or hockey or something. But in football, like it's an experiment, like it's a constant experiment, right? I mean, it's like whatever and whatever works reproduces DNA and spreads. And then the, the whole job is stopping that. And then that reproduces itself. And then, you know, like defenses get lighter and faster and quicker to defend the pass. So power running comes back. And then you get it. I mean, and, and it, for us experiencing it at the week to week level fantasy football, it, again, it feels like we're in the waves. Like we're just getting buffeted about in the choppy seas. But when you step back and look at football that way, there is a, a certain symphonic uh, like harmony to the way that these forces clash and they continue to grind against each other and change each other. And it's just like we watch with Kansas city. Like you can be on top. And then while you're on top, it feels like you're just going to be on top forever. Right. And then the, you, you, you get pulled back down and you reconstitute yourself. And, uh, you know, that's what's and it comes back to resilience. That's what's so interesting about Arizona. Going back to them is that they feel like a team that fades as the season goes on, you know, um, and other teams are, are built to peak later in the season. Baltimore looks like they're ready to do that. 16 players on IR to start the season. And they're going to be as good as they've been all year. And they've had some, you know, some there's so Rich, it feels like there's like six or seven games that were decided on the last possession that could have flipped either way, and we'd be talking about these team seasons entirely differently. To the Vikings every week. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's who Baltimore plays. Yeah. That's who Baltimore plays this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. That's a game I'm very interested in because I do a show uh, with my buddy Dan Pazuda, and we talk about the Ravens every week. It's just there how, you know, Week Martindale is just so – you know, hell bent on not adjusting their scheme based on all their injuries. He just doesn't care. He's the, the linebackers can't really cover anybody. So he's forced to just send all these um, so much heat. And you, we, we've seen that really help them sometimes and really hurt them sometimes. Like, you know, a team like the Bengals, like you don't want to leave to play a lot of cover one of man coverage against. And we yeah. saw that kind of come back and bite them. And the Vikings are one of those teams. You know, you look at the splits for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson versus man coverage this year it's very scary if you want to come in and just and descend heat. But on the other hand, Kirk Cousins has been so bad against pressure. It's enticing to send heat. Uh, so it, it's a little cat and mouse game there. That I'm very much excited. I think that game is interesting. You know, I think the Vikings are one of those teams like the public. It's kind of not really, they're kind of sick of the Kirk Cousins thing. They're kind of sick of, but we've seen Cousins <laughs> when, when people, but when people leave Cousins for dead after like one of these primetime of course games that he doesn't hit, 
he tends to come back and throw for like 350 and three. And, you know, here we are having yeah. a conversation again. I think that game is, is, is very exciting on a number of levels. And like you said, Nick Boyle coming back, Sammy Watkins being there, them just kind of having a full arsenal uh, as full as it can be given the limitations they still have with the injuries and the offensive line. But I think that game is, is very intriguing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I mean, Minnesota's, I mean, Minnesota should have beaten Arizona, right? I mean, they all but beat Arizona, you know? And at the time, like a month in the season, we would have said Arizona was the best team in the NFC. Uh, but then if you ask Vikings fans, they don't have any faith in the team whatsoever. They never did. We've too many times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's the Detroit game, right? I mean, they should have lost it or could have lost to Detroit. Um, so it's just hard to know which Vikings team. There's so many teams that are mercurial like that. Again, I'm going to reference something that I talked about with Eric on the couch this week. And I was trying to quantify any given Sunday, right? Like, what is any given Sunday anyway? And we say it a lot, and obviously we're referencing something that we think we have a shared understanding about um, when we say any given Sunday. And I think the best I can express it, Rich, that stands for is, like, we're trying to triangulate the median. We're trying to triangulate the mean, okay? So, like, what's a mean performance for players, for offenses for teams for defenses etc 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 but then you have variance you have weekly variance and weekly variance can be any number of things can be things that we can know or predict and can be things that we can never know or predict emotion whatever all kinds of things can create weekly variance and the weekly variance is in most cases wider the delta is larger than the delta between the means of the two teams right so that's what any given Sunday means. Because in like any time we watch these teams, they're so mercurial that you can see, and sometimes for reasons unbeknownst to us, that we could never even have access to, like when I say peeking through keyholes. Um, so, you know, these teams that have- Yeah, that was the Raiders in, three weeks ago. It's the Bears. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just the, the Titans can lose to the Jets. And the, granted, they didn't have A.J. Brown. Okay. I mean, A.J. Brown's important, but he's not that important they can lose to the jets and then beat the bills and the chiefs. I mean, that's, that's any given Sunday, I guess. And it makes it really exciting, but it does make fantasy football sometimes seem like even more foolish, you know, <laughs> like I always, I've compared to riding the mechanical bull and the bull has been throwing us off a lot this year. Yeah, that's why we love it though. Uh, Cause you can't, well, yeah. It. And it's, that's the whole thing. <laughs> I, I explained it on a show I was on that, you know, if there was a skeleton key, we wouldn't have a game, you know, but everyone chased the right. key, you know, especially, you know, the, you know, the influx of analytics into, you know, fantasy football and football in general, you know, the skeleton key element, but there's all these things that you still, like you talked about, you can't account for. And anyone that's ever played any level of sport knows that like things like, you can't quantify certain elements like momentum isn't a real thing in the context that's presented, but we all know we're in the moment. Like confidence is a real thing on your day-to-day life. Think of how you woke up this morning and how your performance yeah. of the day is just those, those things are always going to exist. Um, and like, you know, level of opponent, you know, plays into, you know, confidence, you know, we always get the, t- the talk of does defense matter for fantasy football? Well, if you played any level of sport and if you're you know, having success versus a certain opponent and not like the confidence still, there's a placebo effect in there and it impacts your performance negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. All these things exist now that it's harder to quantify. So we just throw it out the window, but uh, all these things do play into it. So as we bring this thing home, uh, yeah. I want to pick your mind on just a couple players here. Uh, you can just kind of give me uh, what you think about them the rest of the season, uh, season to date. Uh, one is, you know, the first month of the season, fantasy football analysts just screamed regression, sustainability, 
or Cordell Patterson. And all he's mm-hmm. had is doors open. They, they, he did the inverse, right? A coaching staff took a step back and said, hey, what aren't we doing well and what are we doing well? And he was one of the things they said, well, that guy's playing well. We should expand right, the role. Right. And now Calvin Ridley's removed from the picture. They're going to need to lean on him more. So everyone that held may, you know, come out way ahead here. Uh, so what do you think about Coral Patterson? Yeah. You know, one, because I remember, I believe, you know, the the year one and the year two, you know, you were very much into this, this it was concept, promising the concept of what we were going to see. And they're using him like what we thought in year two, we, we would right. see year two forward. <laughs> what was it like Did the Vikings hire Norm Turner? I think it was like the Vikings drafted him and then like they hired an offensive coordinator year two that didn't want to use him. I don't remember exactly. or don't even know if Turner left. I, my brain is Swiss cheese, but the point is I'm glad that you went back, went there rich because I was told you can't just manufacture touches for players in the NFL, that that's only something you can do in college. But apparently Arthur Smith thinks otherwise. And Cordero Patterson does redefine the possibilities for a player that you just say, like, just get the ball in his hands. Canarius Tony, right? Like, just get the ball in his hands. Um, it creates more possibilities, again, because of the copycat league, DNA, and all that stuff. So it's great. It's great that finally Cordero Patterson is showing that that kind of player can be successful and the offensive coordinators should give them more uh, touches, more of a role in the offense. Now, Atlanta, when I look in the crystal ball, Rich, I just feel like it's going to be miserable. It's just going to be, I feel like Kyle Pitts is a sell as much as I was, he was a buy, 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 buy at the beginning of the year, because I just feel like that offense is going to be miserable. I mean, in Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, we have these quarterbacks that are very limited at the end of their career. And the one thing you don't want is defenses feeling like they can crowd, 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 because you can't actually throw downfield and they don't have to honor the downfield pass. Everything gets more compressed and more crowded and it just gets miserable. So I think Cordero Patterson, I mean, what you hope is that the volume makes up for the loss in efficiency, the loss of touchdown opportunities and so on. Um, but it also could be like, this is when we wake up from the dream and he becomes inconsistent week to week to the point where it becomes not as enjoyable to play him. So I, I just, I, I'm definitely not optimistic about Atlanta's offense in general. So it's hard to be, it's hard to find a way to say, well, the volume will overcome it for Patterson. I so like that. Uh, one player that was near and dear to my heart for, forever and still is mm-hmm. we've seen come out and barnstorm the league the first month and now the, the, the past month is kind of like there's little hints of volatility so yeah. what do we really have in big mike williams here yeah i thought you were going to say mike williams uh when you <laughs> gave the lead into the first guy <laughs> it's interesting because the chargers you know, i have a crush on brandon staley i mean i just hope that like i think a lot of people there's, do. <laughs> there's i just hope that more and more football coaches like talk like him and emote like him and give off the vibrations he gives off and for a while, it looked like, hey, like they really had uh, shed their history. The Bengals, too, right? Isn't it fascinating? Like looking mm-hmm. at each of these stories, Rich, like the Bengals and the Chargers both had this moment, like, no, I've overcome my past. And then the past goes, no, no, <laughs> like the, the past in the bot in the, in the, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, although the Chargers had the last lap in the playoffs that year. And in Bill Belichick, remember, Belichick beat the Chargers 45 nothing, Herbert 45 nothing last year. 45 yep. nothing so last week wasn't as bad but it was a pick six right i mean it still was a pick six that really decided that game so herbert's in a slump mike williams is in a slump or again this is like the kyle pitts travis kelsey effect right or because mike williams was doing what he was doing defenses are saying okay well it's not going to be mike williams but uh it, philadelphia this week has darius slay so you can employ something similar so you know and, and this is the nature of fantasy football and why it's kind of silly that we 
do our quote unquote expert thing. And um, if anybody even does like a victory lap or feels like they're right or they're wrong about something, because you can be right about something one week and then wrong about it the next week. Right. I mean, you can say like Mike yeah. Williams, you know, Mike Williams is not the guy because it's Darius Lee this week. But then, you know, I don't know who did the Chargers play next week. I'm going to play, do this exercise out just for fun. Um, and then the next week they play, oh, Minnesota, <laughs> you know, so there's not anybody that really is going to co- check him on Minnesota's uh, roster. And next week he could get back to eight for 115 and two touchdowns again. Yeah. So it's, it's very contextual DFS players, I think probably are hooked into this the best. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's probably going to be the ride. Um, I was hoping the chargers were going to hit like a hyper efficiency on offense. And then also like co- at least competence on defense. And now that soft underbelly of the running defense is really showing. I don't know if Philly can take advantage of it, but you know, you got Dalvin Cook, you got Najee Harris, um, what they got Denver, Cincinnati, Giants, KC. But I, so I, I, I've the Chargers, like here's, I'm going to hit the same note I've been hitting, Rich, like another enigma on the AFC, right? Another team that on their best day is the best team in the AFC or maybe in the NFL, but can also lose. In, on any given week to a mediocre team. Maybe not a bad team, but a mediocre team. Yeah, one other player that's in the same archetype of Mike Williams yeah. that I've, you know, I, I love these guys. I can't help but uh, the, the, the upside these guys present. This is my siren right. song of fantasy football is uh, plays for, you know, your team and it's Chase Clay. Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to make I, you happy. What's that? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, you know, Claypool, you know, with Juju being out, you know, we've seen it, you know, we've seen the, you know, the playing time, every, everything rise, but then he just can't overcome this mountaintop of all Ben can do is pepper Deontay Johnson the targets. Uh, you know, I'm looking for Chase Claypool to make this rise. Uh, is it just something that's not going to happen until this version of this offense doesn't exist? I, I have hope. I'm going to give you hope. Okay. All right, I want it. <laughs> because ne- the next two weeks, and I love what you're saying about the archetypes too. Because I mean, it is those those the big, fast, athletic number one outside receivers. And, you know, they can they make the crank turn sometimes in fantasy football. So this week against Chicago, you know, I mean, maybe he could uh, hopefully get a big play. That's going to be a slop fest. I mean, that's another fifteen ten kind of game, right? Both of those coaches look at fifteen ten. They're like, that's the kind of game I want to be in. Um, and then next the week after they play Detroit. So with Detroit. I mean, there, he may only get four or five targets, but one of those could be a 70-yard touchdown. So, you know, that, that's hope. But then the Steelers enter the part of their schedule where they face the Chargers, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Vikings, the Titans. Um, you know, these are not offenses that are going to allow the Steelers to stay in a shell. Uh, they're, they're, the Steelers' defense is good. Uh, maybe the Steelers' defense will hold down, you know, kneecap those offenses too, but I wouldn't count on it. And then you may get to where Roethlisberger is just chucking it. At that point, and Chase Claypool's good enough to adjust. You know, maybe it's going to be drawing pass interference, which doesn't translate for fantasy football. But I can see if Roethlisberger has to throw the ball more like 35, 40 times in a game where the Steelers are playing from behind, now Claypool's natural ability can come into play, but they don't want it to have to, right? Like they don't want the games to hinge on Claypool winning a 50 50 ball or something like that. So you're right. It's just he doesn't fit in this ugly, but, um, you know, proud way the Steelers are winning football games right now. And that is inconvenient for us, but the opponents could change that going forward. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the, the stretch. Cause that's what I've been looking at. You know, I look at the stretch, see, uh, 
he hasn't had takeoff yet because I'm looking at uh, Pittsburgh's schedule. And I'm like, well, they face Teddy Bridgewater, they face Geno Smith, right? They face Baker Mayfield. They're going to play Justin Fields. They're going to play Jared Goff. And then Justin Herbert, go. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, even Kirk yeah. Cousins, you know, Ryan Tannehill, sure. Patrick Mahomes. Like these are teams that are capable to counterpunch and press the issue. So, yeah, that's why I brought him up. Uh, one guy you brought up earlier mm-hmm. was Kadarius Tony, And we kind of were flirting with, you know, Kadarius Tony being this, maybe this guy that was going to break fantasy football for a stretch right, a couple weeks right. ago. And after the first quarter, it looks like, you know, he, and against the Rams, well, he's going to, he basically has four catches, you know, 40 yards, like right away, hurts his ankle, comes back last week. He's not really a part of the game plan. It looks like he was potentially going to be limited. And then all the injuries happened to the Giants, but now all these injuries happened again. Is it something that we just, we had a little blip yeah. or is it going to be something where it's going to be almost like a sports car carriers, Tony? Exactly. It's, it's just going to the- be, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it's the microcosm of the mechanical bull, right? I mean, it's, you know, he, he's all that in one player, right? I mean, it's just like um, almost like Mad Libs or something, uh, what you're going to get in his short career already. And, but because I'm, I like shiny objects, you know, I'm distracted easily. I, of course, I'm going to want to believe in a Kadarius Tony and believe that he has that thing that makes all of our analysis just not matter. You know, it looked like it, man, it looked like it now. How, how hard is it? Like you sports car analogy. How hard is it for him to get back there? I don't know, but um, I'll take my chances waiting to see if it's going to manifest again for sure. And Sterling Shepard's injury helps create the opportunity just in case they were going to be stubborn and limit Tony's opportunity once everyone got healthy. But then Rich, you say, wait a second, why are we being naive? Everyone's not going to get healthy for the Giants. Like it's just not going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's where we are. Uh, real quick to one more. Uh, yeah. We also have one more. We have a player returning this week we didn't talk about. Um, that does impact things on the level of, you know, fantasy football, real football, and it's Michael Gallup. Ooh. Uh, Michael Gallup is coming back this week, and we've already seen kind of the struggle of when teams don't punch back on the Cowboys that they oh, – yeah are completely fine going with uh, hyper-efficient. We're going to lean on our two backs and just matriculate the football uh, down the field and, you know, limit Dak to 25 to 30 pass attempts. And we haven't completely been able to get there with guys like CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Uh, now with Michael Gallup, you know, it's another, and right. now that Dalton Schultz has emerged in that span. Sure. So what does Gallup's return kind of do for you? And is it just, or is it just another log on the fire of hotness of this offense? Right. That they're not stop? Well, it, it, it's sure. And then they're another team that's redefined themselves to be more like a 25 pass attempt team. Like you said, they're content to do that. And their defense is actually good. Like that's the, the story in the background here, Rich is this season, what the writers are putting together for the 2021 season, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are situated right now as pro- they should be the Super Bowl favorite, not just an NFC, just to win the Super Bowl. I mean, if you're talking about based on how the teams have played, what they've shown up to this point, the Cowboys look like a well-composed, well-coached, uh, executing team. And you add Gallup in, and it's funny because at the trade deadline, supposedly the answer was nobody wanted to trade because they didn't want to give up depth because they're worried, right? And the, the Cowboys go in the opposite direction. You know, they're getting guys back. They have depth. You know, Blake Jarwin's hurt, but whatever. So they're getting Gallup back, and everyone's – by the way, learn that Cedric Wilson's a good football player. Oh, yeah. Cedric Wilson is good enough to start for a lot of teams. And let it be said for the record, Rich, the pass that Cedric Wilson threw was one of the best passes of the season. Not best passes by a wide receiver, but one of the best passes thrown this year. Yeah? Yeah, I, I hope Cedric Wilson doesn't become like one of these, you know, Rashard Higgins, like guys that, like, uh, where, you know, these guys that like, anytime they get to play, they they play well. Right? And then the team just like re- forgets that they, they don't exist. get to play. 
Right. And, oh, and right. Rashard Higgins might have that opportunity again. Very, very yeah. much this week. Yeah, but, you know, absolutely. You know, absolutely. one of these. So, yeah. <laughs> so but the Cowboys are, you know, the, the, this offense, man, I mean, against Denver, everything's going to work. Everything's going to work. So, yeah, I think that this is a great Cowboys week. And it's wild to see that this is the Cowboys team that has emerged out of all of the, you know, I just don't, you know why I don't like it. I mean, why it's on some level, I, I, it makes me bristle is that I wish that Dak Prescott ended up on another team because they took so long to commit to him, which was just absurd. We could all see it. We could all see it. And yet, and they're still getting to harvest the fruit. You know, they're getting to reap the rewards of Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott have really has turned into one of the, I mean, you can, you don't qualify it anymore. He's just one of the best quarterbacks in football. I mean, to be fair, I've always, I always thought while we were living it, you know, the same thing is happening with Romo, you know, Romo sure. was, also, was also underappreciated by, you know, the, the conglomerate that was the NFL, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hope he doesn't get lost in the sauce because Romo was, was a damn good player. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he's, and he's still with us. So that's yeah. what's great about that. Well, yeah, yeah, he almost has a different life now. People don't even know he played. You know, like, it's almost right. like a, an era, a generation of football fans don't even know that he was he was a, a good quarterback. Um, he deserves a medal for going coming through life as an NFL quarterback in Dallas to boot and being seemingly a genuinely likable person through it all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't want him to be like you know all these quarterbacks. You know, Mark Sanchez is calling games now. I was watching oh, him. Yeah. Like, watching the game with my son and he was like who's that and i was like well he what he said he made a comment about court he's like well, who's that and i was like oh it's mark sanchez it's like, the, the butt fumble guy yeah, remember the, the butt fumble, fumble guy you know <laughs> and try explaining so all these old quarterbacks get a chance to to do work uh with the networks but yeah i mean that, that's pretty much going to take us there unless you've got anyone off the off the cuff it, it, you've got the you guardians guardians thumbs up thumbs down guardians thumbs up thumbs down oh yeah thumbs down all the way well yeah i mean matches I, I, I have a problem. The, the 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 clip art logo is just doesn't do it for me. I don't have a problem oh. with the team name. Uh, the clip art logo is okay. definitely not uh, <laughs> not on my radar. But uh, you know, I was never a huge baseball fan. Anyways, I keep the block C. I'm going to keep block C's in my life forever because it kind of represents. I like it represents the area where. Yeah, I'm exactly. From. Of course, of course. This area will always be. I've traveled a lot of places and got to experience a lot of new places, but uh, I always, you know, I just love living here, man. It's something in the water. So, and maybe it's just that Northeast, you're a Pittsburgh guy and you're not here anymore, yeah. but something about that, that mentality when you're, when you're here and, you know, we're in the cold months. Uh, now you're uh, fighting through different weather elements uh, now where you are. Hopefully everything's mm-hmm. good. Uh, everything's good. Sure. There. It's, it's pleasant. It's wonderful. They're almost at the end of hurricane season, although I think we had one really close to Halloween. I think we're out of hurricane season for this year. And now we go to uh, soon Mardi Gras season, king cake season, crawfish season. It's Satsuma season, all the kinds of seasons uh, in, in New Orleans. It's a, a wonderful thing to be here. And those are the, the, the best seasons, you know, the, 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 oh, food, yeah. the food down there. Ooh, <laughs> you can't beat mm. it. Food and music, food and music. You can't beat it. Yeah. And all the senses. It deli- <laughs> a delight for the senses. Come down to New Orleans and be reminded that you have these five senses that can be windows to the world of delight and joy and wonder. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it was, it was great to have you. It was great to host you on a show. Ah, uh, yeah, it's know? great. Well, the, look, the, the whole fantasy football world. Yeah, the whole fantasy football <laughs> world is where we all just want to hang out. We're all just lonely. We all just want to have good friends. And it's good to have friends like you and your wonderful listeners. I know they know what's good. Yeah. So that puts a bow on the therapeutic Sigmund Bloom at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter. <laughs> uh, as always, a uh, blessing to have him. I wish my football guy championship teams were doing better, but uh, mm. that's all right. <laughs> That'll put a bow on things. We'll be back in week 10 double digits when we get back 